All right, I'm so looking forward to sharing this time with you. I want you to be so blessed. Even now, Lord, I just pray for your goodness and grace to fill this time as we engage your word together. Hey, I want to continue on with our discussion that I started last week around the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. We're talking about living the word and how we want God's word to live in us and the things that can keep us from being able to move forward. I want us to really sit with the importance of being open and receptive and the things that can get in the way and, and really hinder the things that the Lord's trying to establish in our lives. I want to reset where we were. Jesus is talking to a very mixed audience of people, if you recall, when he gives this teaching. He's sitting by the shore on the Sea of Galilee. He's on a boat. The multitude is standing. And, you know, that group that was gathered, they were really diverse. There was a lot of different types of people that were there. In other words, people were listening from different places and with different motives. Jesus saw in them a microcosm of the world. And in a, in a way, then, I think he saw a representation of us. If you think about it, some of them had come with very open hearts. They're, they were hungry for his words. They were willing to be filled. They wanted to learn from him. And like I said, their hearts in that sense, they were wide open, wide open, like they were willing to receive what Jesus had to give. There were others, though, on the other side who were there as well. And they were listening, but they were not listening with openness. They were listening with a closed heart. We know the Pharisees and the scribes, not all of them, but more than a few of them were there with arms crossed, listening with suspicion, with cynical hearts. They didn't believe in Jesus. If anything, they were trying to catch him and use his words against him. Jesus understood that. He felt compassion for him at the same time. He also was bothered by their unbelief and how they were affecting other people with their uh, attitudes and uh, self-righteousness. So there are two groups there, right? One very open, many of the people there just open, and then others closed. And there were other in between, right? Some had come not because they were believing, but they were intrigued. They were careful. They were hesitant, yes, but part of them was attracted. They wanted to hear more. Maybe some of us can relate to that right now. They were, they were seeking, but also not ready to commit. They were checking Jesus out, but with a degree of openness. And then there was another group. They were there more to be entertained or uh, they were superstitious. Wanted to see him do a miracle. Wanted to see the healer heal. Wanted to be part of something. But their heart really wasn't open to what Jesus was trying to get them to embrace. And so you have this mixed multitude. And also, while Jesus is there, good for us to get it in our mind's eye. He's sitting on the boat. He's the one speaking to them. If you've been to the Sea of Galilee, which I have a few times, it's surrounded by hillsides. And it's quite possible that as Jesus is giving this story, the parable of the sower, that he maybe even points to, or can, they can see a sower on the hill, sowing and scattering the seed. Maybe it was something that Jesus actually used as an illustration. 
But it was a great story, Jesus tells. He talks about four different types of soil and how the seed that was being scattered fell on these different types of soil. And we know that after sharing the story, the parable, the sower, which we looked at last week, Jesus then had a discussion with the disciples. And after that discussion he has with the disciples, he then, which, in which he talks about why he uses parables, he then explains to the disciples, because they wanted to know, the meaning of the parable of the sower. And, you know, that I, I, I think it's helpful for us because they, were, they really wanted to know. They were hungry. And when Jesus would give a story, he oftentimes would explain its meaning, but there were other times where he didn't say anything. And we mentioned last week, like that artist in the, in the gallery uh, who, whose picture invites us to sit and ponder. Like, we're not exactly sure what it means. We think we know. It's speaking to us. Jesus kind of used his stories in the same way to get people to open up their imagination. He used it to unlock, and he also used it in a way to obscure. We talked about those things last week. But the disciples wanted to know, what is the specific meaning? And this is one of the examples where Jesus does indeed give, in detailed fashion, more specifics around what he's actually trying to illustrate in this parable of the sower. So we're going to pick this up, Jesus' explanation of the meaning, in Matthew 13, verse 18. So, Let's look at this together. It says, hear then the parable of the sower. So Jesus is now saying, here's what it means. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And this, this is something that Jesus obviously saw, like seed that fell, had a good start, but it had no depth. And then he says, as for what was sown among the thorns, ah, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word and proves, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and it yields in one case, a hundredfold in another 60 and in another 30. You know, it has been said that this parable is as much about the soils as it is about the sower and the seed. And I would agree. Now, it's easy to slot people into each category, like this is the category they're in, or this is the category I'm in. But I think if I'm really honest, most of us are a composite of each of these. At least I know I am. I think we... We all, you wouldn't be listening here if you didn't. We all have areas of our hearts that are open. And yet there are also areas in my heart where I struggle. I struggle to keep from getting hardened to things that I find difficult. <laughs> and then there are other places in my heart where I sense the evil one trying to steal away a lot of what God has established in me, or at least to minimize or neutralize the things that the Lord has established inside of me. And of course, there are other places in my heart where I feel the allure of the culture. I feel the allure of the world. I, 
You know, it might have to do with uh, an unhealthy yearning for, I don't know, prestige or beauty or material security. The things that become rivals in my heart for the affection that belongs alone to God. The things that challenge the supremacy of God's word within me. I think most of us can relate to this. And the question that is always being asked is, Lord, is my heart open to you? Is my heart open to you? Or have I closed portions of it off? Or I've given other things a higher place than you? I remember as a young believer, a young follower of Jesus now, boy, whew, over 40 years ago, I mean, more than that. Yeah. And I remember I was exposed to a singer who shared a song. He was a singer, poet, songwriter. That's the only way I'd know that I'd describe him. A man named Keith Green. And he wrote a song that hit me. It, it affected me. It made me dig deep. The song was called To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice. And I remember hearing the Lord through those words. And uh, part of what he s says in the song is, you know, the Lord doesn't want our half-hearted commitment. He wants a heart on fire. And he wrote the song as if God was speaking to us. And I was just thinking about how a heart needs to stay open. And, and these are some of the lyrics to the song. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice, as if the Lord is talking to us right now. I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear you say, oh, I'm coming back soon. But you act like I'll never return. <sighs> that hit me. He says, well, you speak of grace and my love so sweet, how you thrive on milk, but you reject my meat. The easy things, yes. The hard things, no. The things that I like, yes. The things that cost me, mm-mm. And he says, and I can't help weeping of how it will be if you keep on ignoring my words. Well, you pray to prosper and succeed, but your flesh is something I just can't feed. And then the, one of the final verses that made my eyes water with conviction the first time I heard it. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want hearts of fire. Not your prayers of ice. And I'm coming quickly to give back to you according to what you have done. But that phrase, wow, I want hearts of fire, not your prayers of ice. I thought, oh, Lord. And you go back to the parable of the sower. The first three conditions that Jesus describes are the ones that are resistant or are at least for different reasons, unable to sustain the life of the word. Jesus says some people who hear the teaching, the words, the things of God, the message of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, that he says they're like, he was looking at the crowd. He was assessing the way that they were listening to him. He says, you're like the ground on the wayside that's been used as a thoroughfare, a walkway to the fields, trampled hard by man and beast, a footpath where the ground is firm, like hard. Marble, like concrete, right? It's just, it's been trampled on and worn, pressed down. And as a result, Jesus is saying, it's so hard that when the seed falls, the birds of the air um, come because the, the, the seed can't get in and penetrate. It's too hard. And so the birds of the air come and snatch it away. And there's so much here for us.
if I could just sit with this for a bit and get us thinking a little bit, just like Jesus was inviting us into. First, I want us to just think about the fact that there, there are some times where our hearts get hard, like that pathway. And as I reflected in my own life, two of the things that can make my heart hard are what I would call pressures, the pressures of life, and then sometimes the pace of life. So the pressures of life and the pace of life. Sometimes life can be hard. It can, it can wear us down. We feel like we're carrying so much weight. And I don't know, maybe that's, that's what some of you feel right now. Like it's just heavy. If you think about it, weight on that ground is what made it hard. Just the, 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 the weight on it over time made it hard and it couldn't, it couldn't, the sea couldn't get through. And then not only are there the pressures of life that can just sort of beat us down. There's also the pace of life. And, and, and as I was thinking about it, I was going, Lord, sometimes I'm just so busy. I'm so busy that my heart gets hard and I'm, I'm too busy to, to receive your word with, with humility and attentiveness. I'm just, I can't, I can't barely even catch my breath. I've got so many things I'm trying to juggle. I, I'm just not able to receive your word. It's just not penetrating. Again, the pressures of life, the pace of life. And then Jesus mentions that because that ground is hard and the seed can't get in, the birds of the air come by and steal it away. And that also says something. But before I... I even talk about that because I think Jesus is making it pretty clear what it is, what that steals that seed away. I was thinking how the Lord does invite us into the place of life and health and well-being. Jesus, did not Jesus say to us, loved ones, in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I love this, for I'm gentle. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So whether it's those pressures or that pace, we just need to let the Lord help us, heal us. <laughs> right? And, and when Jesus talks about that seed falling on the hard ground and being stolen away, he's talking about, I think, the spiritual forces that are, are real, the evil one um, that steals away the life of the Lord, the enemy of our soul, as Jesus called him, the liar, the thief, the murderer, the one who wants us, listen, loved ones, unwell. And if he can't destroy us and have us lose our salvation, the next best thing is to keep us so tangled up, so beaten down, so neutralized that we can't even share the goodness of Jesus because we just feel so beat up ourselves. So he'd love to, he loves to make us ineffective if he, if he can't destroy us. And again, Jesus said, the thief has come, but not, not to help us, but to steal and to kill and to destroy the God of this world, whom the apostle Paul says 
has blinded their eyes, lest the light of the, of the gospel, the glory of Christ would shine in. In fact, that's what we're, I'm going to read that verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the direct context of 2 Corinthians 4, 4 is that there are spiritual forces that are arrayed to keep people in blindness, to keep people from being able to receive the word of the Lord, to keep them from, as Jesus is alluding to here in the parable, from being able to have the, the word of God settle into their life. The seed is just taken, stripped out, removed, carried away. The eyes blinded. That got me thinking though, that can happen to us in a different way. Those of us who've actually had our eyes open, we too can lose something of what the Lord has for us. I was remember, well, I remember reading from Matthew Henry, who was a commentator a few centuries back. He said this, this is, this intrigued me. He says, so it is within the hearts of men whose different characters are here described by four sources of ground. So this is true for all of us, men and women, careless trifling hearers are an easy prey to Satan who, as he is the great murderer of the souls. That's what Jesus called him. So he is also the great thief of sermons and will be sure to rob us of the word if we take not care to keep it. That is something that I've never quite heard before. He says, in the same way that the evil one steals away the seed and is the murderer of souls, the God who blinds the eyes of those who cannot see. Uh, he also is the great thief of sermons. So the murderer of souls is the thief of sermons. And what does he mean by that? He means that sometimes the way we're engaging the Lord, the way we're engaging a message, the way we're engaging a teaching, we're just not really at a place where we can receive it because we're, we're not approaching it in the right way or we're so, so tired or worn down. And the enemy just comes in and takes that word from us. That was meant to be something that was a gift for us, something for us to receive, something for us to be embraced by and to embrace something to give us a life. And uh, the enemy loves to steal away something that we were meant to have. I love that. And I can't honestly help, but also think about what's happening even in our culture and world today, because I'm going back now to the idea that the people who, you know, are like their hearts are hard. They can't, they can't receive Jesus right now. There's so many lies out there, so much misinformation about Jesus, about the church, about what a Christian is, so much distortion. So many are siloed into identity groups and lost in communication loops. I'll say that one more time. There's a lot of people who really, they can't hear Jesus. They can't hear what we're trying to say because they're siloed into identity groups and lost in communication loops. Their only exposure is things that honestly make Jesus look unattractive and make following him seem unappealing. And in contrast to previous generations, secularism has penetrated our culture to such a degree that many people have have absolutely no real exposure to Jesus. They don't know anything about the Bible. And I don't mean that in a pharisaical or like I'm looking down on anyone. I'm just being honest. A lot of people don't know anything about the Bible. I mean, there are believers in Jesus who barely read their Bibles. And I hope that's that a lot of us are being stirred and moved to read the Bible, read the scriptures that we say we believe 
because as Jesus taught us, those are the words of life. And um, there's so many things about the truth as Jesus taught it and what true goodness is and how we can access the transformative power of God. And many people have no exposure to those things. The only Christians that some of our neighbors or coworkers ever really hear about are, are crazy people. And if they're locked into a particular, uh, like I said, siloed place, uh, particularly around the media, because our media loves to zero in on those who are just odd and weird and strange and doing bad things in the name of Jesus and, and, and highlight that, but never tell the story about the, the countless millions of people who are following Jesus all over the world with sincerity and utter devotion. It's just, you know, and I can't say that's done intentionally. I, I, I would imagine some of it is. I'm not trying to get paranoid and just say, oh, they're all against us. But the fact of the matter is Jesus said that the world will not, doesn't, doesn't want him and will reject him and will even sometimes persecute those who, who love him. So if Jesus taught us that, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. And yet there are others who honestly, they, they would be attracted to Jesus. They just are never really given a, a, a testimony of his reality that helps them to understand him. And, and they're not seeing real Christianity lived out. They're not seeing people make the connection between their goodness and following Jesus. And like I said, I don't, I'm not saying all the media that is doing this out with a malicious intent. Sometimes they are just ignorant. They, they don't even know what a real Christian looks like. And what that means is that millions, I'm talking right now to those who believe and those whose lives have been touched by the reality of Jesus. Those of you who've made a commitment to the Lord. And if you haven't done that and you've been planning on doing it, do it now. Um, but to those of us who have, who claim to know and love him, me too. We need to do a better job of shining our light as Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see, men and women, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Right? That's what we want. But we have to be able to connect the goodness of our lives with the good God that we serve and love. That is part of sharing the message of Jesus. Don't hide the light, shine the light with humility, with intention, with courage. But again, my heart aches for the confusion, the deep pain, the unsettledness, the anxiety that is affecting so many people today. They are, to quote the Lord, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd, wandering, hurting, addicted, looking for answers in wrong places, asking wrong questions, looking in wrong directions. But when it comes to ourselves, the reason why it's important that we pay attention to our own soul is that it's hard to be a healer when we are not well of soul. And that's at least one of the reasons why God wants us well. You know, I cannot lead another person where I am myself am not going. I can point, but I cannot lead. And hear me out. I, th I, think, it, I think the Lord is wanting us to, to live in and by his words so, so that we can do both of those things. When his words are alive in us, we can point people to Jesus, just like John the Baptist did. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like I can point someone to Jesus. But 
It's also possible that the Lord wants us to, and this is maybe even the best way to help lead people to Jesus. And that's not just not telling them about Jesus, but it's like engaging their life in such a way that we're bringing them to Jesus, bringing them to the Lord's house, bringing them to a place where they're getting exposed. Like Andrew taking Peter into the presence of Jesus, like Philip taking Nathaniel. I mean, that's, you know, listen, when our heart is open, we're on fire. When his word is alive in us, it, <laughs> it will, it will find its way out. You know, give me hearts of fire, not your, your prayers of, of ice. Lord, I, like, I don't want to just go through the motions. When our heart is on fire for Jesus, it will start a fire sometimes. Yeah, it can't help it. <laughs> when we're excited about the Lord, others are going to feel it. Oh, Lord. And that rarely just happens, right? Getting our heart on fire rarely just happens. It's usually a product of, of sincerity and intention and, and space, right? So a lot of times we must adjust our pace so that we have space to sit with Jesus in such a way that he can warm our hearts. We need to be able to read and pray over his words so that they fan, our, fan the flame of our faith, like the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to do. Fan, fan the flame your faith, right? Fan the flames of your heart. And we need to not only read it and embrace it and let it come alive in us, but then we need to be open, like I said, to sharing it with others. So it's not just studying his words, it's talking about them frequently. It's, it's applying them diligently to our lives, uh, spreading his message to those who are unfamiliar in ways that are kind and genuine so that life can sprout. Life can sprout because we become the, what I'm saying is we become the sowers, right? We're, we're scattering that seed. When, we're heart, when our heart is on fire, we're going to scatter that seed. And it's going to be backed up with a life that though it is not perfect, it is sincere and it's passionate and it's going for it. And so that's sometimes why the Lord wants us to just, right, uh, share the goodness of God with others. And how can we do this in a modern context? I, I really think we can, we can invite people to come to the Lord's house. We can invite people to um, check out what, what we're doing, for example. And it might be a rise and shine. It might be other things that we're doing online, like right now. It might have to do with sending a prayer, a text. Like you said, hey, you know, I was in church today or I was listening to this message Oh, I was struck. I thought of you. I wanted to share it with you. I wanted to, or I felt the, the desire to pray a blessing over you. Or, you know, is, is there something that you would love me to pray about? Uh, or I was listening to this song, you know, because we, we post our songs. You can share them. Like, you know, I'm just talking about letting other people know about the Lord. I sort of counteracting what the evil one is trying to do. We become sowers of the good seed. And we're trying to go after people the same way that Jesus was trying to help people come to know him. All right, let's keep that in mind. We're going to share a little bit of worship. We had a song here. Then I'm going to come back around, close us out. Such a joy to talk about the goodness of God and keeping our hearts on fire, keeping our hearts wide open. Yeah, Lord, that's what I want. I want my heart open. Yeah, let's keep that in mind as we share this time together. Here we go.
All the things that I have held dear The vanities that whispered in my ear What would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy I've come to find they never satisfy What would I gain if my soul's the price? I don't want to love what the world loves I don't want to chase what the world does I only want you I only want you First things first, I seek your will Not my own, surrender all my wants to you Keep the first thing first to live your truth, walk your ways, set my eyes. Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed to keep the first thing first. I give it all, my life and offering. My heart is yours, so have your way. Your kingdom is all I want to seek I don't want to love what the world loves No, I don't want to chase what the world does I only want you I only want you First things first, I seek your will Not my own surrender
All right, you know, next week we're going to talk about, Lord willing, the other conditions of the heart as it relates to receptivity. And we're going to finish the parable of the sower and talk about not only the things that can get in the way, but also how we can develop depth of soul and how we can grow. You've been called to grow. You've been called to become so of I and uh, to have roots that go deep and to be able to have sustainable faith that is able to not just endure, but is exceptionally resilient. I mean, that's what the Lord's will for us is that we can go through anything if we have him and we love him and his love is living in us and his word is abiding in us. I mean, that's, that's happening when our heart is wide open, his grace flows, love grows. And may that be the case for all of us. Grace flows, love grows, in Jesus' name, for you and me.